in a world where is this thing on barely this episode of the just john podcast is brought to you by the random fact that a bell themed supervillain exists in the marvel universe who goes by the name dr bong and two of the most amazing patrons on the planet Find out how you can become a patron of the show by heading on over to justjohnpodcast.com slash support. What up, homies? I'm your host, John Medina, and this my fine fine ladies and gentlemen is the just john podcast episode 40 for the week of may 28th today on the show a whole lot of google io google io was last week and on the episode last week i talked a little bit about google but i said that i would save the majority of my google talk for this episode and As promised, I am here to cover Google I.O. for you and just talk about a few of the things that I really liked that came out of Google I.O. So this year, Google displayed its vision for a more ubiquitous and conversational way of interacting with our technology. Right now, it's very one-sided. You say, Alexa or Cortana, do this. And it does it. But there's not really much of a communication flow going between those two things. So they worked on making their assistants more chattier, their AI more human-like by answering natural language queries with a more human voice and integrating that into some new products that they're going to come out with. So basically this entire episode is going to be me talking about different things that were that came out on Google I.O., and how I feel about them, and whether I think they're cool or pointless or weird. So let's go ahead and get this party started. You know, when I see a car like this, first thing I do is I say, would you look at this? So the first thing that I kind of want to talk about is Google Daydream. Google now has a mobile virtual reality platform. They've called it Daydream, and it's built on top of Android N. So once Android N comes out, this feature, this software, if you will, will basically already be built into all of these phones. That means it's not going to have to compete with your PC-powered HTC Vive or your Oculus Rift, but it's going to be much more powerful than the current Google Cardboard, which really just takes what your your current phone and throws some 360-degree video on it and kind of calls it virtual reality. This is going to be a lot more powerful because it's built for virtual reality. From the sound of it, Daydream is is Android for VR. It's got the backbone software inside of Android N, which they have simply named VR mode, and it provides the users with an ecosystem to play around in. There'll be a home screen with apps and different things like that, and Google is going to basically give out dev kits and say, this is what you can do with it, and here you go, play around with it. I mean, Google says that they've already created special VR versions of their own apps, including YouTube, Street View, Google Play Store, Play Movies, and Google Photos. 
They've also said that the New York Times, HBO, Netflix, Ubisoft, and EA are already developing for Daydream as well. So we're going to see a lot of different companies utilizing this, and it really is just, it's the same concept they did with Android. They built a skeleton, and they gave it out to different companies and said, fill in some meat, and that's what they're doing with this, which I think takes a lot of the pressure off of Google to come out with consistent knocking it out of the park creations, where they can say, We build the infrastructure and we monitor the infrastructure and we update the infrastructure. But in terms of all the details of the apps and the different things like that, these companies are solely responsible for that. And they're going to continue that tradition. But the biggest limitation for Daydream seems to be that it's only going to work on new phones that have the special sensors and screens that it requires, which is a little bit unfortunate because for people that hang on to their phones for two or three years, and yes, surprisingly, I know there are people out there that do that, they're not going to have access to Daydream until they finally break down and get a new phone. But on the bright side, we can expect to see that the phones with these correct sensors and screens will come from all of your major players, Samsung, HTC, LG, Yahweh, and pretty much any manufacturer that wants to make an Android phone because I don't really think Google cares who makes an Android phone. Anyway, Google Daydream, going to be really cool. Can't wait. It's just another good excuse to get a new phone, right? Because I'm going to put my nuts hat on your drum set. So not only did Google talk about Daydream, but they also talked about a separate VR headset. So one of the rumors that was leading up to this year's I.O. conference was that Google would announce its own mid-tier VR headset, something that would be more capable and polished than cardboard, but more affordable and accessible than the HTC Vive or Oculus Rift. And that rumor was partly true. Google showed off a reference design for the smartphone-powered VR headset that basically looks like a cordless Oculus Rift. The company also showed a motion controller with a touchpad, but what the interesting thing is about this is that Google is approaching VR much like it originally approached Android, and I just talked about that when I talked about Daydream. They've got concepts, but I think that we will eventually see a VR headset style device come out of Google, and I think it'll be branded as a Nexus device. It will be manufactured and have somebody else's logo slapped on it, but it will be the design and the brainchild of Google. It'll be just like your Nexus Android phones. Some avocado. Google also released a competitor for FaceTime, which. Some could argue that Google Hangouts was originally supposed to be a FaceTime competitor, but it ended up being more of a Skype competitor, which also some could argue that Skype is a FaceTime competitor. But none of that is relevant at this point because Google is coming out with an app called Duo. It's a video chatting app that exists separately and from all their other apps and is completely dedicated to being a video video only experience. And I think this is going to provide it some benefits above Skype and Google Hangouts and things like that because so often these companies get so involved in adding all of these features to their video chatting service that everything just gets overloaded and the whole purpose that people want to use it for, which is video chatting, suffers because of it. There's stickers and there's this and there's that and the games and the what have you's. And it just ends up diluting the experience so much that you can't even get a good video connection because there's too many things going on. There's too many cooks in your video chat kitchen. 
And so that's kind of the whole purpose behind Duo. It's going to be dead simple to use. You open the app, you're presented with a selfie cam video preview of yourself, and you basically just video call the person. Now, there is something cool because there's a feature called Knock Knock, which basically allows the person that you're calling to see a preview of you, your video, your live video before they even answer. So that's really cool. The only downside is that Duo is mobile only and it's tied to your phone number. Now that's going to be the big difference between FaceTime and Duo because Duo or because FaceTime is not tied to a phone number and can be used on a Mac. That's going to be the only big kind of downside of Duo, but I still think Duo's pretty cool and if they can keep it just a straight video chat service that that's all it's for and it works better than everything else that's available on Android to use, I think that they could really make some waves with it. It's weird. One of the things that I noticed about Google I.O. is that they really released a lot of, I don't want to say unoriginal ideas, but they released a lot of devices and services that are really just going to head-to-head compete with devices and services that are already available to the general public. Another thing that they talked about at Google I.O. was Google Home, which, of course, we know Google in all their glory is fantastic at naming absolutely everything. So what else would this be? It's a home assistant. It's going to compete essentially with Amazon's Echo. It's going to answer questions and execute commands in a similar way to Echo, but it's going to rely on Google's assistant technology to make sense of your questions. Now, one of the things here that I want to point out is that while the Amazon Echo is amazing, it's freaking sweet, and I love everything I've seen and heard about it, I think that the Google Home may have a little bit of an advantage when it comes to asking questions because Google has been in the search game for a very long time. And the Google Assistants and their AI programs are really, really advanced and really good. So you're probably going to have better luck asking your Google Home a question that's a little more advanced or a little more complicated than you're going to get when you ask your Amazon Echo. Of course, both devices are going to be able to tell you the weather or what's on your calendar or this or that or what ha- whatever you want to know that's basic or something that you already programmed into your device. But when you start asking really advanced or just off-the-wall questions, like, why do I have six fingers? Google is much more likely to be able to feed through all that information and find a decent answer. What Amazon Echo would do would probably be default to a search engine of some kind and give you the first result answer. The device itself is a small cylinder with a rounded top and a speaker at the base, but one of the cool things about it is that it can come in a number of different shells, which are the, the body that's around it, basically, that can match your home decor. Echo, you're just stuck with the black and blue device. I, now, I do want to say that I can almost guarantee that Amazon will start coming out with shells or skins or cases or whatever the hell you want to call it. And uh, Amazon will start coming out with those for the Echo to answer this because one of the things that I think people like the most about technology is customization, whether it's internal or external. And if you can get a Google Home and make it match your couch and whatever, I think that that's going to be a not a big selling point, but an added value proposition for selling the Google Home. 
Helm's built around the Chromecast standard, which lets it push media to other Cast-compatible speakers and screens, change temperatures or lighting through your Nest device, and integrate with services like Spotify. They haven't opened the API to developers yet, so it can't communicate with as many outside services as Echo, but I guarantee that it will soon. And I think that the whole purpose behind the Google Home and the reason why they named it Google Home is that they want you to be able to control your entire home with it. They want it to be your Internet of Things hub, and they want Google to be at the center of everything. I think it's cool, and I I want I can't wait to see it fully come out so that I can compare it and an Echo because eventually I want to get something. But And the, the only reason I haven't gotten the Echo yet is because I'm cheap. But eventually I want to get one. And so now that I have two choices, it's going to be a lot easier for me to really sit down and look at the differences between them and maybe pick one and feel a lot better with my decision because I could actually make a decision whether to buy the A or B instead of just buy or not to buy. All right, well, we are about halfway through the show, which means it's time to play some music. If you are or if you know an underground artist that you would like to have featured on the show, please submit your suggestions at justjohnpodcast.com slash song. The song that I'm going to play today is called Glory, and it is by Population 7. Whatever I do, whatever I say, end up somehow revolving around you. Whatever I do, whatever I say, end up somehow revolving around you. Whatever I do, whatever I say, end up somehow revolving around you. Whatever I do, whatever I say, end up somehow revolving around you. The night goes around instantly, taming my actions. It acts as an interference block. Out unwanted distractions. As far as I'm concerned, these lessons never learned. Gotta speak from your mind and make peace with yourself until those bridges were truly burned. But no matter what I'm preaching, no matter what I do, it all flips back onto itself, comes crashing down. Somehow revolve around you Whatever I do 
Again, that song was called Glory, and it was by Population 7. And like usual, if you enjoyed the song and you want to find out some more about them, you can check out all the places to find them in the show notes below. The local news of the week. So like I talked about at the beginning, one of the big focuses of at least the beginning portion of Google I.O. was their next generation Google Assistant. It feels more like a chat app than your search-based Google Now. I love Android And I really prefer Android over iPhone all day, every day. But I will say that Siri may be a little... Well, Siri and Google Now are different. And I kind of wish that Google Now had a little bit more of Siri embedded into it. Or Siri style, I guess I should say, embedded into it. And that's what Google Assistant does. It kind of takes your chatty side of Siri and your Google Now informative side and slaps its hands together and it does it in a really cool way and I think that it's going to benefit Android users a lot. During the event they demonstrated the assistant's ability to parse context by asking it what movies were playing tonight specifying that they wanted to bring kids and then buying the tickets all without leaving the app and more or less in the way you'd speak to a human. So it was really cool that you could say, okay, Google, I want what movies are playing tonight that are kid friendly. And then it goes through and says, and then you say, okay, I want to see that movie. And then it buys it, the buys the tickets, and then you're all set to go. And I think that's really cool. As I said before, I think this assistant is really going to be beneficial for Android users. And I'm excited to see how it develops because of course, when it comes out, it's it's already going to be good because it passed all of their tests and everything. But I am excited to see the developments that they make with this Google Assistant. And is it going to be called Google Assistant instead of Google Now? Is Google Now still going to be something? There's a lot of unanswered questions, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Because I really would like them to take Google Now and Google Assistant and make them into one service, whether they call it Google Now or Google Assistant, really doesn't matter to me either way. But I don't want to have both of those features in two separate 
apps or two separate services. I really want them to be all in one. And so I'm really hoping that that's what happens. I have an announcement to make to y'all, to the people of America. So a while back in March, we got our first look at Android N with a developer preview. But if you're not a developer, it's all Chinese, right? It basically showed off some split screen multitasking, quick setting buttons, and the new set of emoji that Android N is going to get. But the OS won't be out of beta until later this summer. But during Google I.O., Google released a new beta and showed off more of the new operating system. Some of the new features include more control over notification size from different apps and a new picture-in-picture mode. Android N could also be a better platform for gaming thanks to battery of optimizations and the new API called Vulkan that will let developers directly control a phone's GPU for sharper 3D graphics. Of course, the whole point behind that probably has something to do with Daydream. One of the interesting things about this is that Google is not naming Android N, or at least not alone. For this version of the OS, they are kicking off a crowdsourcing contest. You can actually go and submit your suggestions for what Android N would be called. Does that mean that they're going to switch from the sweets or the, the candy naming format that they've been with since they started? Probably not. They are probably going to pick a suggestion that has to do with candy or sweets or sugary goodness or something like that because that's kind of what they are known for in terms of naming Android. Now they could do something like Apple did where they named all of their OSs after cats until this latest one and they named it El Capitan or whatever. So they could do something like that, but I don't think that that I don't think that would be a good idea. I think they should keep with the naming format because it's interesting, it's cool, it's unique. And it's not something that a lot of people do, and I just don't want to see them let it go yet. I'm not ready for them to decide that they want to change their naming format. Hey for iPads, church. Hey for iPods, church. Hey for cell phones, church. Hey for laptops, church. Hey for tablets, church. Hey for 3G, 4G, ready. This is one of the things that I was really excited that came out of Google I.O. It is running Android apps without downloading them. A lot of companies are trying to improve the browsing experience in the mobile platform, basically by circumventing the open web, right? So if you're on Facebook or Twitter and you open an article, it opens in a Facebook browser. It doesn't actually take you to the internet. They've also got instant articles and Google's also doing some other things as well. But at Google I.O., Google announced a groundbreaking approach, loading parts of apps even if you haven't installed them. It's called Android Instant Apps, and in the demo they provided, when you click on a BuzzFeed link, Google Play grabs the parts of the BuzzFeed app that it needs and plays the video. In another demo, it runs a parking meter payment app without installing it. Google says it will take developers less than a day of work to modulize their apps for the program and that it will be rolling out to users later this year. I really think that this is freaking a fantastic because there are a million times that I just, my phone kind of starts to get a little crowded with apps. And most of it's apps that I've downloaded that I use occasionally, but not super often. So what I end up having to do is uninstall the app and then when I need it I have to go through and install it again and it's really inconvenient especially if I'm not connected to Wi-Fi because I don't have the biggest data package ever. So the nice thing about this is that I don't even have to have the app anymore. I can it'll just Google will or the phone will go into the Play Store 
and take the app, parts of the app that it needs to run whatever I'm trying to do and just do it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I can't wait until that comes out. Hey, uh, can I have a McRib meal? Large size with the Dr. Pepper. Google also updated us on their Google Advanced Technology and Projects, or ATAP Research, which is a unit codenamed Project Jacker, Jacquard, whatever, you know, you guys know by now. And if this is the first time you're listening to the show, I'm horrible at pronouncing things, so that's just the way my life works. Anyway, they gave us an update on Project Jacquard, which is a team-up between Google and Levi's to launch a connected smart jacket. And this jacket is aimed at urban cyclists, and it will allow the wearers to do things like control their music, answer phone calls, access navigation, and more without with just by tapping their sleeves so they don't have to reach for a phone, dig through anything, and end up getting in a wreck or getting hit by a car or whatever. Essentially, what this is, is that they weave multi-touch sensors into clothes in order to make the clothes a wearable computing device. The idea with this is that Levi's commuter jacket is to make something that's both fashionable to wear while also representing a practical implementation of this technology. The jacket will be part of Levi's commuter collection of clothing. The jacquard tag is embedded in the jacket sleeve, and it can be pulled out and charged via USB. The tag connects with LED haptics, battery, and the woven sensor in the garment. The connection points for the tech cleverly take advantage of the jacket's buttonhole to look less obtrusive. Now, if you look up a picture of this, it still looks kind of weird because there's essentially a Fitbit on the button section of your jacket sleeve. So it does still look weird, but not completely completely weird it's still there in addition the platform includes a mobile application that will connect your smart clothes to your cloud and this is where consumers will be able to control apps that work with the connected garment the company really stressed that you can use this levi jacket just like any other article of clothing wad it up and throw it in the wash etc etc my one concern is that what if you leave that jacquard tag on there is it waterproof Sure, the jacket with its woven stuff in there is fine, washable and whatever, but the jacquard tag is separate. That's the part that you have to charge. So I have a feeling it's probably water resistant, but not waterproof. And I'm not sure that it will be able to take a wash. So that's going to be something that we'll have to watch out for when these commuter jackets or these smart wearables become available. What year is it? Perhaps the most groundbreaking thing that came out of Google I.O. was the update of Project Aura. Project Aura is starting to feel really real. Uh, Like two years ago, they started kind of talking about a modular concept phone, a phone that you could take pieces out and put other pieces in at your leisure when you needed them. For example, you don't need a camera at this point in time, so take your camera module out and throw in your module to give you better graphics for a game that you want to play. This had been talked about and tossed around for years and years and years, and Google finally picked it up and said, we're going to help work on something like this. And they started Project Aura. They also have uploaded a teaser trailer for Aura and the possibilities that the mobile phone can bring. Some of the modules shown off include a loudspeaker, an e-ink screen displaying the weather, and an array of microphones, a touch-sensitive square that seems to hail something like an Uber or a Lyft, and it could probably be customized to do other things. It's probably kind of an NFC-style type deal, and of course, interchangeable cameras. So... 
I think that this is something to really, really be excited about because it's finally coming together, and I think it's going to change the game. One of the problems about phones right now is that the body, the guts of your phone are connected to everything else in your phone. You want the phone that, or you want the new 13 megapixel camera, you got to go out and buy a whole new $600 phone to get your 30 or 13 megapixel camera. With something like Project Aura where you can just buy modules, you could pay $50 or even $100 to get your 13 megapixel camera. And in theory, really all that the only thing on your phone that has to stay is the physical part of the phone itself you could even switch out your ram and your things like that with your different little modules right so i think it's going to create a a la carte style phone system where you buy your handset which is going to be just the brick part of the phone with the screen and then everything else is modular you can get a generic or not a generic but you can get a basic built together galaxy s7 or you can get a you can build your own custom Galaxy S7 with whatever modules. You can order other modules later and you know when new ones come out as long as you have the ability you can change out everything and as long as your screen can handle it you can change out everything. Now this doesn't prevent or this doesn't solve the screen solution, but I think that that might be a possibility as well down the line. But game changer guys, I really think this is going to be something huge and I cannot wait. Because drugs are bad, okay? Alright, so we are getting close to the end of the show, and as is usual, I do want to do an app review. The app that I'm reviewing this week is called Google Spaces, and this was an app that they released right before Google I.O. started, and it is pretty sweet. The best way I could compare it is to a Slack chat style type thing. So, you you download Google Spaces, you log in with your Gmail account, and you create a space. You can name this space whatever you want. It could be a work group, friends group, couples, whatever you want to do, you can create that group. You then send invitations to your contacts, either via email, Facebook, text message, tweet, carrier pigeon, whatever you want to do. And if they accept, they download the app, they install, they sign in, they become part of your space. And in this space, you can chat. You can send different messages. You could pretty much do anything that you can do with a basic chat app, right? But one of the coolest things about this is that it's really integrated into Google. So you can add links, pictures, photos, pretty much whatever you want. You can write your post, of course, but you can search for a YouTube video within the app and it will post it to the whole group. You could do the same with a link to a website or you can just Google image search for a picture or you can upload your own picture it's really a it's a cool app i think it's going to be a lot of fun granted like a lot of the other things that google came out with at google io or released at google io it's another thing that has to compete with 40 other things that are already like that and google hasn't always had the best track record when competing with things that are already deeply established i mean look at google plus it's It's just not nearly as popular as Facebook or Twitter, even though Google really wants it to be. They just cannot will it into existence. But Google Spaces is cool, so I think that if they put a lot of publicity behind it, that they may be able to find their own little niche for it and do a lot better than some of their other previous projects have done. But my lips hurt real bad. 
If you enjoyed the show, please show me some love by liking, thumbs up, subscribing, sharing, rating, reviewing, retweeting, or whatever it is that's used to symbolize the love of the show on the platform you're using to view it. You can follow me on Twitter at M underscore Revo or at Facebook.com slash JustJohnPodcast. You can find the show in its entirety at JustJohnPodcast.com. And you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, Stitcher, Spreaker, or some other shit. You can email me at JustJohnPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, without you, I'm just some dude talking to himself on the internet. Until next time, peace out, fam.